This is the Perfect Puppy Podcast with Miriam Pollard, walking you through all the steps you need to train the perfect puppy for your lifestyle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Puppy Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm going to talk to you about one of my absolute favourite sayings in puppy training and dog training overall, and that is setting our puppies up for success. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you know that I talk about this a lot, or rather I don't talk about it a lot, but I talk about how much I love this saying. So in this week's episode, I'm going to dive a little bit more about what that means and how you can do it with your puppy today. So what is setting our puppies up for success? Well, it is putting them in situations that are either controlled or you can control them and it ends on a high. It ends with a big fat win and that's what we always want with training. We always want to end our sessions on a high, not for length of time. We're not looking for quantity here. We're always looking for quality. So we always need to, especially with our puppies, we always need to set them up for success. Puppy training is always about prevention. And again, another one of my sayings is like, prevention's better than cure, which it is. And with puppies, we have the beauty of shaping desired behaviors right in the beginning, right when their brain is really, you know, they say it's like 10 times the size until it's about four or five months old and really shape the desired behaviors that we want, which will help them succeed. Again, when they're older, we're setting them up for success because we're not gonna put any bad habits in them right now. And that's all it is. It really is what it says. We're setting them up for success, but it's not just for our puppies. It's also for us. So I'm in a really lovely point in my business that I've got a wide range of clients. Now, although yes, I work with puppies and I usually work with them up until about a year old, I've still got some who are like 14 months old, right down to eight weeks old. So I've got a wide range and some, they're all at different stages, all have different goals, all have different lifestyles. And, um, you know, the setting up for success is going to be different for each one of them some have a bit of reactivity some have a bit of um you know fear towards things and we're able to shape desired behaviors and set them up for success for the owners but that also goes like I said towards the owners as well so depending on how good that handling is and again we're all going to be different some are more natural than others because if you're more confident around your dog then you're going to be able to um, pick things up super, super quickly. If you've got a harder dog, then that's going to be a consideration. And I'm in a really lovely academy. And again, we've got from puppies to really severe reactivity. And as they um, get better with their dogs and everything else, then they are setting their dogs up for success in different ways and also them. So if you've got severe reactivity, that setting up for success is like, okay, I'm going to the car and I'm driving everywhere instead of walking. With a tiny puppy, that's going to, that's pretty much walking and carrying everywhere because you want to get the socialization in. So it's, it really changes and varies depending on where you are with your puppy. So I'm going to talk to you about how I do it with Tiggy 
and then I'll talk about it with like a common thing that I do with my clients and then maybe how you can translate that into you and your lifestyle with your puppy. So before we are able to set our puppies up for success, we really need to know what we want from them. And that's having goals. So I will be talking about this in a future episode um, about goal setting, which because it is so important, especially when you have a puppy. But when I had Tiggy, and like I said in the last episode, that I didn't really have a goal for her until now, which again, that that really set us back quite a bit in our training. But um, how I do that with Tiggy now, now that she's got the foundations, for example, I might not necessarily go to a London park because those situations where I just want to enjoy my dog and let her have a run around, and I've got 15 pushy, rude dogs who they don't know that she's telling them to go away. I'm not going to put her in that situation. And also, it's not very nice for me either. So in that sense, I might just go to a small patch in... um, I've got a really lovely little patch that I also train at. And um, it's a bit of green and it's right on a main road. So it's very rare that people are gonna either let their dog off leash or even go there because they can't trust their dogs most people anyway and because I can trust mine she can be off leash she won't be bothered by anyone and I don't have the stress of having to advocate for her because it can be quite stressful you know especially I was saying this on my Instagram the other day it's probably one of my biggest struggles and probably my where my unconfidence lies um and it's something we're constantly working towards but when I'm feeling up for it then I might go to a park and I might you know I'm I'm mentally prepared for whatever comes to us so then I've already set us up for success because I'm in a stronger mindset whereas if I'm not feeling good and that's another one um if I'm not feeling great if I don't feel well if I'm sick if I'm tired then maybe I'll just do a training session in the garden because I'm not in I'm in tired I'm not in a great mood why am I gonna set us up for failure because if something was to happen that I can't necessarily control or I don't feel like controlling and I just don't can't deal with the headache of other dogs or people talking to me or whatever you know we all had those days then I'm just going to avoid that because why am I going to put us in that situation where it's uncomfortable now that's not to say you know stay in your comfort zone I'm not saying that at all but you need to be mentally prepared us personally as the owner and a handler because we need to be the stronger ones we need to be the ones that advocate for them especially in the beginning puppies are very sensitive they might not like situations and we need to be there to go it's okay I'm going to be able to control this situation even if you control it mentally even if you're just able to compose yourself and be strong in those situations because going to the park which you can't control you can't control what dogs come over you can't control what kid tries to grab your dog's tail or the person that wants to stroke your dog you know you can do it as much as you can obviously you know giving the rules of set high can you can you call your dog hi can you not stroke my dog having um, a do not touch do not disturb coat for example but there's only so much you can do until it gets to the point where you're just like I can't control people because you can't and neither can they control you you know they can't say well actually my dog wants to play and I was like well 
you can't control my dog to want to play because my dog doesn't. But that is how I usually do it with Tiggy. Again, it really varies. For example, in the beginning when I was working through her reactivity and lack of confidence, I was putting her in situations that I can control that she won't get hurt in. So for example, I'm not going to go to the nearest construction site where I can't control the, the sound or whatever. Not that she was particularly nervous of it, but I can tell that she wasn't the most confident. Whereas I might and this is exactly what I did, I would get her up on benches, I'd get her up on different heights, I'd get her putting her paws on different things. So when she's in a situation where maybe she's at the vet and she's not that comfortable, or a dog's coming near her space, she is more likely to go, okay, I've been in those situations where I've been uncomfortable and I've powered through, I've learned how to cope with this mindset basically and that's a lot of what it is you know we're we're training dogs we're modifying their psychological responses to things so putting them in situations where they can have a similar to more of a mild version of those psychological responses they'll be able to cope with the more extreme side of things same with dog neutrality I would go to loads and loads and loads and loads of different group meetups um, with friends, with other reactive dogs and put her in that situation where the dogs are all on lead to get that neutral response and then be able to control the distance between the dogs depending on how each dog is reacting. So when we're in a situation where there are loads of other dogs, she's like, okay, well, actually, I've been around 100 neutral dogs and I've either not reacted, not had um, the like discomforting situation of them like leaping all over me so when they do come over the ratio is 100 neutral to one annoying so they'll be able to learn to okay there's a dog they might not necessarily come over and be more comfortable in that situation me being a puppy trainer has helped Tiggy's neutrality so much because all the puppies or at least some of the puppies really want to go and say hi and Tiggy's just like happy to sniff around and do her own thing and it's been really good for her and I. Her in the sense of okay I don't care about dogs and me going wow okay I've worked so hard and I'm really really seeing the results in a real life situation. The only difference is is that these puppies that really want to go and say hi are on a lead and again that's the thing so in setups that I do with my clients there's Tiggy in a down and then I might get her walking but she's got no direct interest so we're able to teach the puppies what we want so when the dogs are like woohoo okay I really want to play they're gonna go well actually I remember dogs being around us I'm gonna be calm and again it's all these like setting up for success set up um situations that will make them be able to cope in a real life situation same with sound same with anything really I've got a client and they were saying it's quite funny really when one dog barks in the street the whole street barks so I said okay do dog barking noise desensitization and they're like oh my god it's it's worked really well and that's a really good thing obviously that they've been able to control a sound for example a dog on youtube and set 
the dog up for success and be able to control their situation and be able to lower the sounds or increase the sounds depending on the reaction. So when they're in a situation where they can't control, like all the dogs barking in the street, hopefully, eventually, it's going to get better with her. So like I said, you really do need to know your goals so you actually know what you're going to reward for and what you really want from the situation because if you want engagement for a situation, set your dog or puppy up for the success to have engagement. If you just don't want them to react, then set them up so that is the reaction. They don't react. And so that is going to be very, 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 very important when doing these things. And with our puppies, we're in a beautiful position to prevent all these problems that we don't want. So again, it's all these situations where we can set them up for success and put them in situations where they might not necessarily be in in the next month or even two or even a year, but they might be in it eventually. So it's good to get them used to those situations. A good example is the car, you know, or public transport. Tiggy didn't go on public transport for... Actually, no, she did as a tiny as a puppy because I would travel um to see family but she went on she didn't really and I remember going on one evening and it was I can't even remember maybe I maybe I got um dropped off at the big train station because we went on the underground and she was so stressed so after a couple of times she was absolutely perfect but as a tiny puppy now that I know with the next one I'm gonna go okay well I might not necessarily need to go on the pass or the train because I've got a car but I'm gonna still do it just because that situation they might eventually be in and why am I not gonna do it when it's gonna take up maybe a day of my time or even just a five minutes it might just be a short one stop that um to somewhere and one stop back whatever it may be that's going to be really good for the socialization and exposure and all that sort of thing same with leash walking you know okay, sure, leash walking you can solve in 10 minutes or a few sessions and um, the longest thing is about proofing it. But it doesn't take long. However, why don't we just start it with our puppies if we can? Start shaping that desired be next to me position. You know, that's how I always say. I said, you you don't need to stress about loose lead walking when you've got a two kilo puppy. However, you can start doing the steps to, you know, set our puppies up for success and want to be next to us. And it works really, really well. Um, I had another client and their puppy was a bit nervous of like leaves and wind and stuff. And I was like, well, just go and sit out in the wind. And we didn't force any loose lead walk or anything like that. We just wanted the dog to just be in a windy environment and be okay with that and after a couple of times she did not care whatsoever and it was just like okay well we've put her in a situation where we're mentally prepared for a reaction however obviously we're not going okay oh my god they're gonna react don't do that but we're gonna go okay if if they react we're gonna deal with it but she didn't and she was perfect and it was like wow okay and that's the thing you know it's about pushing out of the comfort zone, but being mentally strong. I think that's it. Mentally strong. You need to be very, very prepared, but not in the sense of like you're panicking. Don't do that because then you're just setting them up for failure. 
And another thing that I like to do is basically set them up for failure, but I'm prepared for them to fail. So for example, I might, if a dog, I don't know, likes to sniff bushes, I might go straight up to a bush and when they go and sniff, I'm like, okay, I've been prepared for that. So then I get their attention and then suddenly they're like, oh, actually, I'm not that interested. I'd rather look at you. So I've put them in the situation to potentially fail, but they've not. And now I'm like, okay, cool. I've put you in that situation. I've kind of forced you to, you know, bribe you to sniff or something. And suddenly you haven't. So if I do that 10 times, well, the time that they do sniff, I'm going to be able to get their uh, attention back a lot because you know not that they've failed in the sense they've just done something they like but they've been in a situation that I'm like oh, okay I know this that's why I like teaching a break command is like okay you go off and do your own thing I set them up for failure in a way it's like you go and do your own thing you be a dog but because I then practice a go off off you go have fun and then I recall in Tiggy's brain, I'm always going to be in the back of her head to go, okay, any which point, you might call me. So I'm going to be prepared and listen. And her recall has improved immensely just because of that one behaviour and command that I've taught. So with my clients, a massive problem is the socialisation aspect. And I think uh, setting up for success is a lot of that. Um, Also crate training, I'll throw that out there because, you know, we want to, we might create them, even if you don't need to use it on a daily basis, at any which point, if they end up in the vet, they're going to be in a crate. We might want to travel, they're going to be in the crate. In the car, it's safer. If you ever need a dog walker, it's much safer and most dog walkers have crates in their car, or at least they should. So in that sense, why don't we just crate train our puppies or crate train them that, okay, sure, they may not need it, and it might take a while, but even better if you don't necessarily need to use it on a daily basis, because you can take it at your dog's pace, and that's the thing, same with separation anxiety, separation anxiety is the biggest one, I'd say, it's like, oh, I work from home, I don't, I don't need it, it's like, well, actually, you're, you're gonna need it, because if you need to pop down to Tesco's, and one of you is at the office, yeah, okay, you might both work from home at one point, but suddenly you're like, oh, actually, I need to do a great big Tesco shop. That's going to need two people. Why don't we just teach our dogs to be okay with being on their own? It makes sense, no? Um, So it's all these different things. So with my clients, again, separation anxiety is a massive one that I talk about and crate training. It also has so many improvements, like no counter serving and... Another one is like, for example, one of my clients counter quite severely. I said, okay, well, put them in situations where you just put an empty plate and you are well aware that he might go for it, have him on a lead, tether him. So then he suddenly goes off to get it, but it's like, oh, okay, I- I'm not going anywhere. So it's these little things that I'm fully prepared that, okay, he might go for this plate, even though there's absolutely nothing in it. I'm gonna put him in the situation that he might go for it, but I'm prepared. Instead of like, okay, I've got great, put a lovely roast dinner on and I've not prepared for it and suddenly he's eaten the whole lot. Why am I gonna do that? We've got so much time in the day and although it may not feel like it, there are so many one to five minute training opportunities that we can do. 
even if you don't realize it, it's there 110%. So utilize it. And again, we're in this perfect position with our puppies that they're blank slates. So why don't we mold it into the perfect dog for us? You know, first episode, guys, is there such thing as a perfect puppy? Yes, for you. One of my clients the other day, they've got a baby. And I said, well, start shaping a heel position with the pram with no baby in it in the living room. Why not? Oh, okay, when are you going to start doing it? Well, maybe six months, eight months. Well, start doing it now. You're in the perfect situation. What, puppy's like three months old? If they do that every single day or every week until they're eight months old, well, what, it's like 30 times? Okay, approximate, I can't think right now. But what, 30 opportunities for them to succeed? So suddenly, okay, you've gone out with the baby, with the pram, in a distracting environment, they're going to go, okay, I remember this picture, I just stay here, I just stay next to you, and I, you know, I'm happy to mooch around, I might have a sniff, but overall, I just stay by you, not pulling on a lead, and I know that you might have your attention on the baby. Wow, well, that saves so much time, and again, you've set your puppy up to success, and you've also set them up for failure, because you might go out, I said, walk the proud without the baby in it and just take him out with you get him used to it why not maybe you put a phone in and the baby you know put baby crying out noises get him used to it and they're like wow okay and already that's going to save them so much time so much stress because when you've got the baby in there you know it can be quite a stressful situation so let's say success for the handler, success for the dog, success for the baby, success for everyone. We always want that. We always want wins. We don't want failures. So why don't we do it for our puppies? It makes total sense, but people just don't think about it. And that's totally fine. You know, it's totally lack of knowledge. And that's why you're listening to the podcast to learn these things. But every day go, okay, what might happen in a year? Or what can I do to set my puppy up for success? But also, as you have success in the comfort zone, start having success, setting them up for success out of their comfort zone. So like I said, I put her in loads of different situations because of her paws. She had a paw injury. So I was getting her to slam doors. And although it was very loud, when am I ever going to need her to slam doors? Like really, she's not a service dog. I don't ever need her to slam a door. When is she going to do that? She's not. However, that, that saved her poor anxiety if you want to call it that she is now totally desensitized to her paws being touched and she's an even better drug detection dog because she doesn't mind to climb up on loads of different things with her paws a couple of times she might be a little bit nervous because it's new slippery service but overall she's like okay woohoo her paws are slipping and sliding she's jumping up trying to sniff the different shelving and heights and all that and that is because I put her in situations that she can succeed in at the moment we're trying to go through her um what you call it stinging nettle anxiety she doesn't like stinging nettles so I just keep finding stinging nettles and throwing a ball in it so when she's in a situation that there might be drugs in there where she's on operational well okay I've done oh okay I remember this I go in there for a ball well, now she's going to be desensitized to it because I've set her up for success. I've had fun with her. Now, oh, wow, it's amazing. Another thing that my clients have done is they have 
socialize their puppies incorrectly so their puppies are typically reactive very overexcited so I've said well put them in again go into that little grass patch that I introduced pretty much every single one of my clients and they'll usually be around 10 to 11 o'clock at night um, in the morning there'll be a good hundred dogs walking into the park and because it's just outside the entrance so you get all that pretty much traffic going into the park but in a space that you've got loads of distance to remove yourself from a situation if it's too much for your puppy and also it's very unlikely that people are going to come up to you because their their aim is just to go to the park and the amount of success my clients have had because of that where they've gone is amazing and that is simply because they've had so much exposure with so little interactions all success and neutral that their puppies have now made tremendous progress just because of that one little exercise they've done a few times a week and that is absolutely amazing and then suddenly they're like okay where can I now set my dog up for success and now they're always looking for different places to go and I'm always being sent drop pins to say oh this place was absolutely amazing for setting her up for success to not have reactions but be around loads of dogs and it's brilliant I'm basically getting a bank account of loads of different parks in London that my clients are using on a daily basis that other of my clients can use because we've got that whatsapp group they're always talking they're always talking about the new location that they found and that is absolutely amazing so how can you do it with your puppy well one have a clear 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 goal what do you want from them do you want neutrality great do you want a loose lead ball brilliant engagement cool and then one focus on one that's the first step you just focus on one how can i have that mini success especially in the beginning now with tiggy i can aim for loosely walking engagement and neutrality all at once because she's done that but i've had to break each one down and have success with each one the same with like the 3ds for example you know you do each one of the 3ds individually and then two then three because you want to set them up for success why are you going to do all three at once when that's just going to be too much again being able to control distance from whatever it is so it might be construction it might be dogs it might be the crate well take it slowly be in the position that you don't actually need them to be in okay if you need to go to the park but they're reactive well don't go to that if you need them to um not have separation anxiety don't try and work on it when you're rushing out to the office because suddenly all the offices are open you should have been doing that three months ago same with fireworks oh my god fireworks we have what a week of fireworks maybe a bit more depending on your where you are but we have 300 days minimum to set our puppies up for success and desensitize them to fireworks so why aren't we going to do that why don't more people do that why are you going to wait for the week of firework night and bonfire night to then desensitize our puppies to fireworks that makes no sense whatsoever and it's not fair on no one so what now you're just going to have to deal with fireworks and it's horrible no start working towards it now we have the opportunity to and dogs are absolutely amazing aside from genetics 
we can pretty much mold them into whatever we want, especially if you've got good genetics. Now, if you've got genetics, then obviously I'd recommend seeing a trainer because that's going to be a lot harder. And obviously, how long has the dog been scared of something? For example, the crate or fireworks. If it's been three years, well, that's a pretty ingrained behavior that you're going to have to work towards. But start working on it now if you need it in December. And then you've got to also think, is it really worth your time? Because I could have easily have done, and I said this in the past episode, gone to the vet every single day and desensitized Tiggy to the vet. And although she's actually really, she's not too bad now, considering I've not done a whole lot, just because she's so engaged with me. But if I wanted her to be better and more comfortable and really like them, which I don't think is going to happen, because every time I go there, she's going to be in pain. And obviously, because of lockdown, I've not been able to, unless it cost me £100 per appointment, and it wouldn't have been fair to people who actually needed it. Um, there was just no point. And it's not, you know, she can walk past things. She's happy to be around the street. She's even happy to be in the reception. It's just them taking her away. And I don't think that's ever, ever going to happen because the more I'm with her, the more engagement I've got, the more she's going to be like, no, I really don't want to go with anyone else but you. So regardless if it's the vet or a friend, she's going to be like, no, I'm not walking away from you, sorry. So is it really worth my time? No, not really. And that's the thing, you know, why am I going to get her used to a houseboat when I'm never going to live in a houseboat? Why am I going to get her used to the bus when I'm trying to avoid it like the plague? You know, Um, I really don't like buses, if you didn't, couldn't tell. So there's all these different things that you've got to think, really, truly think about and then do it and then apply it and don't wait till you need it do it six months before 12 months before or even a month before but you need to set them up for success set up the situation for them set up the situation for you and be mentally prepared for them to fail but because they can't get hurt and you can control the environment then there is more likely that they're going to have success with it And if you can't control the environment, try and control yourself. For example, the distance and all that other stuff. I really, truly hope you have the tools now to set your puppy up for success and also you. And I'd really love to know your struggles and how you're now going to take your next steps in setting your puppy up for success to get a more desired behavior on my Instagram. So my Instagram is thinkdogacademy and I'd really love to hear what your next steps are in setting your puppy up for success. I hope you enjoyed the episode and hopefully see you next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Perfect Puppy Podcast with Miriam Pollard. For more tips and advice, follow Think Dog Academy on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.